Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy and welcome to Season 5. It's crazy to think that we're at this point. Shout out to the originators, Adam Fisher and Adam Regan. They're no longer part of the crew, but we are glad to carry the torch forward. I would like to introduce you guys to our intrepid team. Firstly, Alex Martin. Alex, how are you doing? Doing great. It's going to be year two for me on this podcast. I'm looking forward to season five. A pretty big deal um, for, you know, for us and for Adam and Adam who started this. You know, it's a pretty big deal um, for us. And, you know, we're glad to keep bringing this podcast to you each and every week during football season. And Alex, for any new listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been at the News Press and Naples Daily News for three and a half years. Um, was hired in February of 19 as a part-timer, as a freshman in college. Um, just kind of stayed here, you know, uh, worked my way up the ladder. Full-time staffer now, took over for Adam Fisher uh, back in November. So kind of uh, on the back end of things, you guys may remember the final few episodes, he was no longer with us. That is why. Um, so I've been here for quite a while now and, you know, pretty much one of the insiders here in Southwest Florida, um, you know, providing analysis and, and predictions and, you know, maybe some things that I uh, so I write, uh, maybe some hot takes here and there, but, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. Some? Uh, you, you have quite a lot of hot takes. Eh, <laughs> eh, we'll, get, we'll get into those later in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I'm Dustin. Uh, I will be heading into my second full football season with you guys. I am from Baltimore, so if you want to rag on the Orioles or the Ravens, please at me on Twitter. Although the Orioles are embarrassing me a little bit less these days, so that's nice. You can't really rag on either of them anymore. Yeah. Orioles got a really good future. Um, you know, the Ravens are doing, I think they're going to be doing big things despite losing uh, the they pieces they did. They had a tough skid last year. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it's it's hard when you're playing, a when you have to have a JV secondary out there for the most part. Um, but, you know, we're not here to talk about baseball or, you know, the NFL. We're here to talk high school football. We've got a new face behind the mic this year. Um, Dan DeLuca is back with us in sports, and we couldn't be happier to have him. Dan, how are you? Doing good, and I definitely have a face for behind the mic. Uh, glad to be back with you guys. Uh, took a little hiatus from sports for about seven years. Uh, knew a lot more during that time about the Cape Coral Recreational Soccer League uh, than I did about what was going on in high school football. Uh, tried to stay a little bit in touch, but I'm going to really rely on you guys uh, to get me up to speed as we get going into this season. But, hey, if you want to know something that happened 15 years ago, I'm your guy. Just like Michael Jordan uh, taking a quick break in the 90s, right, that 18-month uh, that retirement. I mean, kind of similar maybe. That's all. Just just a little hiatus. Uh, wanted to coach my girls, spend some more time. I have three daughters. Uh, all three are in high school now, so say a little prayer for me. Um, wanted to spend some time with them, coaching them. In sports, you guys know the schedule. It, it can be rough. Uh, a lot of time away from home, so wanted to give a little more time back to them. But now that they're older and uh, don't really want as much to do with me or their mother anymore, uh, now that they're on their own, it was a good time to get back into sports, and I'm excited about it. Dan, you were able to uh, dip your toe back in at Lee County Football Media Day, at Private Aid Media Day. What, what was your impression, and what's it like you know, getting back on the bicycle? It's exciting. It was good to see uh, some new faces, uh, people I hadn't met, but also some, uh, some older faces, uh, Sam Sirianni Jr., 
uh, Larry Gary, who is back again at Cape Coral. I covered him uh, when he was there in his first stint, which was really the last time that Cape Coral had any uh, sustained success. So excited to see him again. Excited to make some new relationships, but definitely excited to, you know, reconnect. Can we call him the OG right here? <laughs> the OG Dan DeLuca. I OG like it. Dan. Definitely the O. I, I would definitely say the O. <laughs> So before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, let's talk a little bit about last year. It was a pretty special season. We had two teams go undefeated in the regular season in Naples and Dunbar. First Baptist was our last team standing. Alex, what what stuck out to you about last year? It was a very weird postseason, right? And we didn't see Plantation upsetting Dunbar by the margin, a 24-point game, I believe. That kind of took us by surprise. And then from there, you know, it kind of reverted back to what we've seen for the past five, six, seven years is that, you know, Naples is at that point the favorite to get out of the region in terms of local teams and maybe win a state title. Um, And obviously that didn't happen in the regional semis when Miami Northwestern put up 49 points, which is more than what Naples had allowed the entire season in 10 games. You know, they allowed 45 points the entire season. They put up 49. Northwestern did. But First Baptist, I mean, we kind of, you know, that's the beneficiary of playing in a smaller classification with what they've got. Um, You know, you don't really see, you know, the talent that they have in the higher classes that would make it that far. But in the lower class with Olsen Pat Henry and, and Ty Keller at quarterback and Jordan John Luke at running back and Rich Mellian out wide, um, you know, pretty pretty solid core that made it deep, but, you know, they ran into Champagnat Catholic, um, you know, in the se- state semifinals, which kind of an interesting story. Um, not sure if, you know, our viewers had really heard of this, but Champagnat Catholic actually closed. Um, they shut their doors this summer after 55 years, um, which kind of took all of us by surprise, especially with the recent sustained success they've had in football. I believe they've had, they won four state titles over the past decade. Um, a pretty solid program that is no longer with us. First Baptist in the new Metro Suburban classification, my opinion, they have the easiest path to a state title now. And also, I don't think we can talk about last season without talking about Bama commit Richard Young, yeah. who delivered in, you know, every way what we thought he could. And, you know, but Lehigh wasn't just a Richard Young show. I mean, well, maybe in the fourth quarter. (laughs) But that that defense was so impressive. I mean, they had our offense and defensive player of the year. Uh, So they, you know, had a great season and something really to build on going into this season. Well, we'll think about this. I know people probably think, yeah, Alex waxes poetic a ton about Richard. Um, and, And I do in some instances. But, you know, when you go back to last year, in 10 games, he ran for 1,755 yards and 19 touchdowns. He didn't have – they had two extra regular season games on their schedule that got rained out. And we could have very well been talking about our eighth 2,000-yard rusher in Lee County, which, I mean, he would have joined Ernest Graham, Noel Devine. I believe it was Dwayne Thomas at Bishop Vero in the late 90s, um, who is a single-season – county rushing record holder at 2,672, I think. Um, but you know, nobody's going to get close to that record anytime soon. But it just – Richard running for pretty much carrying that team every every week on offense. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year because now they've got Kelton Henderson out wide. They've got Andre Jocelyn, Raynaud Smith. And let's not forget Dorian Mallory's in year two, who James Chaney is very high on. Um, and then defensively, you know, you can't talk about the defense without Tyree Cunningham. Obviously, um, just one of the more freakish athletes that I'd seen 
um, off the ball. And, you know, in our finals, he beat out two guys who are going to be going to Power 5 schools. I mean, uh, you know, with Devin Moore at Florida, who pretty much locked down his side of the field at Naples, and Kerry Brown, who did virtually everything Naples could ask of in the nickel and, and at DB. Um, I think that was pretty noteworthy as well. And shifting from talking about last season to the offseason, uh, there was a lot of turnover at the head coaching positions. Let me try to get through all of them. Firstly, uh, James Delgado leaving Riverdale after five seasons to take the job at Immokalee. Uh, and then Frank Hepler, who was uh, on the staff at South Fort Myers, took the Riverdale job. Herbins Paul is taking over at East Lee. Maurice McLean is taking over at LaBelle. Paul Giovine uh, taking over for Chris Tukinen at Palmetto Ridge. Ernest Graham and Miles Graham are no longer the staples they were at, at ECS, but his assistant Mac Mitchell has taken over. Chris Burnett taking over at Island Coast. He was on the staff last year as well. And then uh, as the aforementioned Larry Gary coming back to Cape Coral. So a lot of intriguing hires there. Alex, what did you find the most intriguing? Among the hires, I thought the most interesting thing was the fact that we now have the youngest head coach in Lee County, and we now have the oldest head coach in Lee County, albeit it's going to be for a year. Um, if things go to plan, um, Larry Gary is not expected to be the long-term answer at Cape Coral. Isaac Harvin is supposed to take over for him next season. You know, I thought Mac Mitchell is kind of stepping into a nice little situation at ECS with what he's got coming back, despite Miles Graham leaving, despite many uh, key pieces from last year's team uh, now gone. Chris Burnett at Island Coast is another one to kind of maybe keep an eye on. Even with Kelton Henderson last year, they they were in a lot of games. We saw them at Media Day. They were very amped up to play North, and it was a rain-shortened game. North only beat them 9-3. to The Gators had a defensive plan there uh, for them without question. A team that I'm kind of curious to see. I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode in terms of the first-year head coaches is Palmetto Ridge. Let's just say they lost a lot to transfer. You know, the fallout of Chris Tokenin's departure, firing, whatever you want to call it, definitely took a toll on the players there. The Bookers are now at First Baptist, uh, along with Donovan Seeley. You have Javon Prey, who went to Golden Gate. You have Kensley Faustin, who's now at Naples. Definitely a lot of question marks there that need to be filled. But, you know, one of the silver linings of that is that it's going to be a younger team, and Giovine's going to be able to develop these guys from day one, which... You know, that, that wouldn't have been the case with, say, Jaden Booker and Hosea Booker back, along with the rest of these guys who would have been seniors, uh, uh, minus Faustin, who's going to be a junior this year. You know, he wouldn't really been able to develop them as much. But now, you know, they're going to have game action. They're going to be exposed early on to what the varsity playing field is really like. And I think that should only help them moving forward. You made a great point about the age thing. We have two of the youngest in Herbins Paul at East Lee and Chris Burnett in Island Coast, and two of the oldest uh, were hired, uh, Frank Hepler at Riverdale, Larry Gary at Cape. But, you know, in talking with them at Media Day, you know, I, I liked what they all brought. Dan, you know, in your early goings talking with some of these coaches, who made an impression on you? I think if you look at the young coaches, Herbins Paul, especially at East Lee County, East Lee County is such a tough job. I covered the last 
team that uh, had a winning season and actually won a playoff game. That was back in 2013 at East Lee County under the late Scott Jones. They had some great players in Winford Ward, Kendall Sawyer. But that's a community and a school that's just had a lot of turnover, a lot of turnover in coaching. You had P.J. Gibbs out there last year, just one year, and then he left. So you really need a, a, a rebuild there. You really need to rebuild the enthusiasm, getting students interested in football again, getting the community interested in it and you really need a young guy with a lot of energy and and that's what he showed me similar at island close with chris burnett i think it's a that's a little bit of an easier build there there is a a tradition of of success there especially in the early going just having that young energy having those young guys get that opportunity that isn't really something that you saw uh i you know a decade ago Uh, you kind of had to pay your dues a little bit more in the assistant coaching rank but i i think those guys with that energy uh it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to to do and, and if you can see some gains in those teams this year. Alex, you had mentioned some of the transfers. Where did you kind of see some of the biggest shifts in the offseason? The teams that really were beneficiaries, Naples obviously getting pretty much their replacement for Devin Moore um, in the secondary. Ben Boozy is going to shift from, it seems, to slot to outside opposite Jonas Duclona. That sets up Kensley Faustin in the safety spot. So, you know, they got five really capable DBs down there. First Baptist finally gets probably the best Collier County running back since Pachez Malusi and Jaden Booker, who is going to be going for the Collier County all-time rushing record this year, and I think he's got a legitimate shot at it. He's only 1,800 yards off of Clifton Robinson. Don't be surprised if we're talking later in the year and he ends up breaking that record. North Fort Myers had a, a pair of really good transfers come in in, in Tavares Irons and Adrian Stone, two guys who should be making instant contributions on the North defense. And I think, you know, North is a team that I'm going to be very bullish on this year. I think they have a really good shot at, at doing some big things. Um, but, you know, adding new pieces always comes with some some growing and, you know, adjusting to a system, a new system rather, and, and kind of going from there. And it, it goes without saying, you know, Lehigh too. Um, you have not just Jocelyn Smith and uh, Kelton Henderson coming in, but you also have someone who James Cheney views as a you know an up up and coming four star prospect in James Little the fourth from Dunbar, who you know kind of be interesting to see how he does this year if he's able to define the field and and you know really make his mark early on in his high school career entering year two. It will be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Another big off season change, of course, was the Metro Suburban proposal that the FHSAA voted through basically dividing up all the Florida high schools into metropolitan and suburban classifications, which means possibly that the local schools, which are all, you know, classified as suburban, have a better shot in the postseason. Uh, Dan, as someone, you know, with your experience in the area, what did you make of this change? I think it's just really like anything else. It's kind of a wait and see to see if it really makes a difference. There's there's still some really good teams that our schools would need to go through to get to you know a state championship game. One thing that I saw during my uh, hiatus in sports, no Lee County team really made that deep of a run uh, and got to a state semifinals or you know a state championship game. We're still going back to Astero in 1998, which was the last appearance, and uh, that was one year before I started in. Sports sports. Uh, Despite covering sports here 16 years, never saw a Lee County team uh, play for a state championship. And 
it, you really need a, a whole set of circumstances to come together. If you go back, you know, one of the best teams ever in Lee County, 1992, Fort Myers team, Jamie German, all sorts of just huge talent, top 10 ranked in the nation by USA Today. They would have won any other classification that year except for the one that they were in because they had to go up against St. Thomas Aquinas, who was also, you know, a top 5, 10 ranked team nationally. So it really depends on how it shapes up in a particular class. Could this make the path a little easier? Yeah, but it it all determines who's there in front of you. Venice is still sitting out there uh, for some of our schools, and and they've shown themselves to be a power lately. So it really is just going to depend on, you know, who can put it together, who can get some breaks along the way. And that's really what goes down into it, not just being an excellent team, because we've had excellent teams that haven't gotten to a state championship game, let alone won one. It's kind of fitting that the times that we're in right now, this really just feels like conference realignment now, right? You know, you have, you know, you have the Metro uh, classifications, which I was texting with a a pretty close source and I pretty much posed the question I'm like you know would you view the four metros as the ACC the Big Ten the SEC and the Big 12 and then the Suburbans you know the Pac-12 Mountain West the American Sunbelt you know Conference USA etc and he got he kind of agreed um, and it really feels kind of that we're kind of in super leagues now um, with this new classification you know 2m's loaded with you know all the miami teams and 3m and 4m um you know it kind of goes back to what Dwayne mack was saying um to beat the man you have to to be the man you have to beat the man um you know it seemed like there weren't many head coaches that really liked this you know particularly the 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 newer ones that weren't really fans of it the older ones who have been around it for a while who who you know who have probably been beaten by a Miami team in the playoffs or a South Florida team um, you know they seem to have want some sort of change but you know when you talk to Chris Burnett and, and Herbins Paul they would in Dwayne Mack you know three relatively new head coaches in the county um, they didn't seem to be fans of it at all another thing the change did was shake up the districts and after this break we're gonna break down each of those districts and talk about uh, each of the team's chances Let's go. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back, and now it's time to break down some of these new districts that came out of the result of the Metro Suburban change. Uh, firstly, uh, LaBelle opting to go on an independent schedule in talking to Maurice McLean, their new head coach. That that was the right decision for them in terms of rebuilding the culture there at LaBelle. Uh, they were shut down a lot of games last season and kind of demoralizing. You know, going into these next districts, we have Class 4S District 15. Yes, that is 4S, no longer A, AA, AAA, any of that. Uh, 4S 15 has Charlotte, Ida Baker, Lehigh and Riverdale. Alex, what is your impression of those teams there? Battle of the Bells finally going to be a, you know, going to have a little bit more flavor to it um, with it being a district game. Uh, Lehigh and Riverdale have had some pretty good clashes over the years, maybe not so much last year. There's always a chance for a rivalry to be renewed. Um, I think that could maybe happen here with Jaheim Clark in, in, at Illinois, uh, committed there over the summer. Same thing with Anthony Baxter Jr. committing to Temple. They'll have to go up against a pretty loaded Lehigh team. Ida Baker is one of the interesting ones, specifically because 
They were in Fort Myers's classification and district last year. Fort Myers is in 3S, and Ida Baker ended up moving up. They're officially the largest Cape school and the lone one in a 4S classification. And then Charlotte, who you who has traditionally been good, they do have their third head coach in four years, though. Who knows what to expect there um, with Brian, I believe it's Brian Menser taking over for the Tarpons. Right now, I'd, I'd personally view Lehigh as the favorite to get out, guarantee a playoff berth. And if they don't win, I'd expect them to be one of the at-large bids quite easily. Dan, I know you know Baker pretty well. Was this an upgrade for them instead of having to play, you know, Dunbar and Fort Myers like they were last year? I think it helps. That was obviously a tough district last year. This is no cakewalk either uh, with Charlotte and Lehigh and, you know, Riverdale team with some talent. I I think it'll be a good test for Ida Baker, which, you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time. Playing really a different style than when they had their previous success. They were running more of a run-and-shoot offense. Uh, They were a small team. They tried to use their speed, didn't really have a lot of size, and now you have Chuck Fawcett trying to win in a more traditional way, you know, running the football, pounding the football, stopping the run on defense. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they fit in, but uh, it's tough to look at a district with Charlotte, Lehigh, and Riverdale and say, well, I'm glad to be in this district. This is a lot easier than last year's. It might be a little easier. I, I wouldn't say it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a cakewalk for, for any of these teams. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, our other 4S district is District 16 that has only three teams, Gulf Coast, Immokalee, and Palmetto Ridge. It feels like the winner here might be Gulf Coast. Alex, what do you think? If you're projecting out district winners and you know, you're know you looking to Sharpie one in or one in here and there, you can Sharpie in Gulf Coast here. This district shouldn't be particularly close. You know, the Sharks have a lot coming back, led by Connor Barrett, who went for over 2,000 yards last year. Joseph Miller, I really like this kid. Uh, one of the more dynamic wide receivers who's just not getting looks. I mean, this kid led Southwest Florida in receiving yards at the end of last season at the regular season cutoff before Olsen Pat Henry ended up playing, I believe it was three or four playoff games to overtake him. Miller had a really good year, 850 plus receiving yards. I believe it was six touchdowns. Again, will be Connor Barrett's favorite target alongside Jack Griffith, who went for 550 and five. It'll be one of those districts where I think we can pretty much project who's going to win this right off the cusp here, you know, regardless. Sharpie, that's going to be fuel for the Indians and the Bears. Both teams definitely have growing to do. First-year head coaches, it's going to take a couple years for them. And, you know, with a lot leaving next year uh, at Gulf Coast, you know, Henry Takis is another one, Hiram Deucenup. You know, all these guys are graduating. Um, So there's going to be a lot to replace. Maybe this district's up for grabs next year. Um, But for now, you know, I think the Sharks have a a pretty good hold on on 4S-16. Moving over to the Cape in Class 3S14, that has Cape Coral, Island Coast, Mariner, and North Fort Myers. Dan, what was your impression of this district? Well, if we're you know saying that 4S16 is pretty much a settled district, I, I think you would probably say uh, something pretty similar for this district. I mean, North Fort Myers is just a program right now uh, that's a couple steps ahead of these other three, Mariner, Island Coast, and Cape Coral. I, I, I think all of them can improve this year based off of last year. You know, North Fort Myers, I think it's fair to say, uh, and they would say this too, they underachieved last year, going 5-5. Five and five. And I think being in this district, having that you know, kind of disappointment hanging over them from last year. I, I think they're going to they're gonna show out a lot better this year. Uh, so I think all of these teams, uh, you know, really could be and improved over last year, but I, I think it's really North Fort Myers' district to lose. And when I was talking about another district, you can probably 
put a Sharpie next to. I, I think North is just, as Dan said, eons ahead of where Cape and Island Coast and Mariner are. Um, three teams that are really looking to grow, uh, you know, kind of get back to, I guess, old form, you know, uh, Mariner during the Ernest Graham days. Island Coast just a couple years ago, I believe it's the COVID year when um, they actually made it to a regional semifinal uh, before falling to Dunbar and then Cape Coral trying to revive their success, uh, you know, when Larry Gary was initially there at Cape. And I'm wondering if this adds a little pressure for the Red Knights. If they're favored this heavily, might be some moments where they kind of feel that pressure. It's going to be interesting to watch. Moving into Class 3S15, that has Cypress Lake, Dunbar, Eastley, Fort Myers, and South Fort Myers. Interesting mix there. Alex, what are your thoughts? Well, probably the most competitive district, I'd say, and it, and it always has been. Pretty similar to last year's uh, 5A district, I believe, with the subtraction, I believe, of North, who I believe was in this district. It's going to be one of those where it's, you know, Dunbar, Fort Myers, South. Um, you know, South more of the dark horse of the three, um, but, you know, I Dunbar lost a lot. Um, offensive line is not depleted, but they have a lot to fill there. Defensive, the secondary as well. You know, they lost to D lineman in North, as I mentioned. They lost to Varys Irons to North, who's a linebacker. That that doesn't uh, mention Jeremiah Livingston, Avian Rice, Nick Thomas, Dimitri Morgan, um, etc. So they're going to have a lot to replace on the defensive side. Um, Fort Myers is a team that Sam Sirianni and others they they quietly feel really good about this year's team. Alex Thalusma is one who has seemed to have had a really good summer. Sirianni raved to us about Charles Michelle, who is a state champion weightlifter at Media Day. Um, they got a new quarterback as well. Chris McFoley will be taking over uh, for Carson Esposito, who has graduated and going on to play baseball at FSW. It'll kind of be interesting to see how the Greenies do. If they're quietly feel good about this team, I think you know that's definitely a reason to follow uh, them moving forward and you know they're going to get a test right off the bat week one you know they're going up to moody field to play north and then they got aquinas could they start zero and two yes could they go one and one would that be the more ideal situation with the loss coming to aquinas uh i could also see that let's not forget that south went on the road and upset fort myers last season that's going to be a really fun rivalry now that it has a little more stakes the nice thing about this year's game is that's on thursday night um, this is going to be a game pretty much, I mean, if you want to call it a, a – it's, it's alone in primetime. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, probably coaches out there checking that one out. We saw that in week one last year with uh, North and Lehigh, you know, Sirianni, Sammy Brown, all in the end zone watching uh, Richard Young uh, torch North for 282 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so I think, uh, you know, South definitely ha- has a lot more questions I think than Fort Myers and Dunbar do at this point, um, with them losing virtually their entire offense uh, in terms of the skill positions, um, with Duncan Smith gone, Nathan Caster, uh, Jerry Cooper, Sincere Trice. Um, you know they're all graduated and moved on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if you know the younger guys like Zajarius Gibson and Chase and Gita, uh, you know, are back. But the one thing. Um, Willis May was excited for is this offensive line. He's got some starters coming back that should uh, be able to mature and help, you know, the offense uh, probably in the early stages of the year before Angita and, you know, the rest get get, uh, proper game action and kind of settle into a varsity setting. And I know the Tigers lost some talent last season, uh, but they still went undefeated in the regular season last year. They're bringing back uh, 
maybe the best receiving tandem in the area in TJ Abrams and Anthony Benjamin. So Agreed. I'm going to be very excited to see them. Moving uh, a little southern, uh, Class 3S District 16, we got Baron Collier, Benita Springs, Golden Gate, Laley, Naples. That's kind of an interesting group. Dan, uh, what do you think of that? Looking at these teams, you've got, got Naples, which is, uh, again, similar to North Fort Myers. They're, they're pretty much head and shoulders above a lot of teams in this district. Uh, Benita Springs is an intriguing team uh, with Rich Dombrowski. I, I think he's got those kids really focused on winning, not, not you know, playing it close, not having a good showing, but they they're, think that they're ready to win games. Uh, so I, I think they're a little bit of a dark horse maybe in this district. Um, you have Golden Gate, which traditionally has kind of struggled to put together. You know, they're, they're a team that for a long time has been a 5-5 five and five team, a 4-6 and six team, a 6-4 and four team. Uh, so I think they're really trying to, to break out again this year, but it, it's going to be really difficult with, with Naples because I, I, I think they're just, you know, far and away uh, the best built team in that district. It's pretty safe to say this is Naples' district to lose, right? Um, but I think keeping an eye on Golden Gate, as Dan mentioned, um, as a dark horse here, I think of these teams in the district, I think they give Naples the best game. Now, whether that is a, a three or a four touchdown loss, you know, perhaps it could be. But they got P.J. Gibbs back uh, from Palmetto Ridge, who was their defensive coordinator um, in 2020, uh, the team that he shut out in week one. Uh, against Naples. That was the Palmetto Ridge team that went undefeated uh, before falling to Dunbar. I believe it was a regional semifinal. Um, and then he went to East Lee to kind of turn them around after, you know, put up three wins, which was the most, I believe, in f- five or four or five years. And then, um, you know, they got a good group coming back. John Lee Honorat's got 12 offers. They got some, they were the beneficiary of Palmetto Ridge's fallout with, you know, a ton of kids transferring out. They got Brian Bachman from Laley, so they they got a quarterback. Um, it's just a matter of execution at this point. I think Nick Bajika's team is over 500 this year. I think they do have a winning record for the first time under his tenure. It'll just be a matter of if they can slide into the playoffs, which I believe they can. One of the districts that I, I just think is fun it is Class 2S16. That has Bishop Rowe, Estero, Gateway, and Key West, which means two of our teams are, are going on the road to Key West. That's going to be an interesting bit of travel, and we'll, we'll talk with the teams throughout the season about that. Alex, what was your impression? It's going to be a pretty lengthy bus rides for, I believe it's uh, Vero and Gateway who have to go down there this year. or Vero, It's Vero. It's either Vero. It's uh, Astero, I think, uh, is going on the road. Okay. Yeah, but nonetheless, I mean, you're going to have teams going. You're yeah. going to have teams going down there. The weird thing about this district, and you rarely ever see it, um, these two teams – played in the spring game the two favorites Vero and Estero yeah um, and, so, you, and you were there uh, yeah a little nugget on that they had scheduled that before the new district came out so they they were like well I, I guess we'll we'll continue to play each other and it wasn't close but you know it's it's a spring game that's a major caveat yes, yes and, and let's just say spring games are very not misleading but they're they're not indicative of a way a season's going to go uh for a given team you know prime example be Estero um they Pretty much got it handed to them in the spring game. Got it handed to them in the kickoff classic. Then they went on to win the district. They had their best season under Darren Nelson. I think they're primed to have an even better season on paper this year in terms of win-loss, just based on the schedule they have. 
Estero with Matt Wilson coming back, having Jason Ducona out wide, I think that'll be a big test for Vero, who doesn't have Chris Graves in their secondary anymore. And we saw how impactful he was despite missing the first three games of the year. This will be a big, uh, I guess, prove-it year for Carter Smith. You know, you had a Power 5 guy out wide who did a lot uh, for the offense. Now it's going to be up to you to take the next step as a starting quarterback, you know, prove that you can succeed without a guy going to Miami, be able to put up those big numbers. For Gateway, still a, still a growing program, um, but, you know, I, I think had some positives uh, in the early goings. Uh, Dan, do you think this district might favor Bishop Rowe a little bit? I think so. I, I think when you look at what Vero has coming back, Estero will be a challenge for them. I think Vero's kind of set up the best in this district. One interesting thing about Vero is they're entering this season with 298 wins. So two more wins. They'll become the third Lee County program with 300 all-time wins joining Fort Myers, which is just a handful short of 700, and North Fort Myers, which passed 300 wins last year year. The schedule sets up well for them to potentially do it at home. They open on the road at Port Charlotte. Then they have three straight home games. So I know they would like to hit that milestone at home and it could work out that way. And now let's talk about some privates. Uh, Class 1S7 has Evangelical Christian, Moorhaven, and Southwest Florida Christian. Uh, And Class 1S8 has Community School, First Baptist, Marathon, and Newman. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on those districts, Alex? 1S7 is a really interesting one because I think, you know, it's safe to say, you know, the Terriers were, I believe, an independent last year under Brent Burnside, who is now the AD at East Lee. And you have ECS, who beat SFCA by 33 points during the regular season. Um, that is a team that had Miles Graham. Now they no longer do. So I'm kind of curious to see how ECS does with the new pieces. Um, Tanner Helton transferred from North Fort Myers to the Sentinels. I think that is going to be a big help. Immediate QB1. He wouldn't transfer there otherwise. You know, SFCA's got a decent amount coming back, led by Eli Moore. Um, You got Shaden Cador out wide, who could be in the conversation to have, you know, lead the area in receiving yards just based on, you know, their schedule and how he did last year. I'd probably view ECS as a slight favorite just based on last year's outcome. Um, You know, especially a lot coming back defensively for the Sentinels. Um, While SFCA, you know, they lose a 1,000-yard rusher in Centavious Gadsden to graduation. Um, That's going to be a dimension of their offense that they're going to have to address, you know, way before this perhaps de facto district title game, whenever that is. Um, But, you know, ECS, I think, uh, you know, better position at this point in time than SFCA. Another team that has a lot coming back is First Baptist, who uh, had a great postseason run last year. Uh, Dan, what do you think of their chances in their district? I think they're set up pretty well. I I mean, this is probably the most consistent program uh, that there's been in Southwest Florida in the last four or five years. Uh, Billy Sparaccio really has a great thing going down there. They have a lot of talent. I I think before, you know, you could kind of look at them and say, you know, in in their class, yeah, they're good. But, you know, if they played too much outside of their class, if they played up, you know, they'd get blown out. They really wouldn't show out the same way. But I don't think that's the case anymore. 
anymore. I, I think they, they're just a good football team. Regardless of classification, they're a good football team. They're going to battle you. They can be physical. Um, they can spread, get, spread the ball out. They can get it downfield. Uh, just a well-rounded team that, that I think is going to have a very good season. Kind of seconding Dan's point here, um, not, not to spoil any preseason rankings, but you can go to those next week at news-press.com and naplesnews.com. But personally, you know, when Dan, Dustin, and I, you know, when we kind of debate our rankings and we kind of put our side by side, I have First Baptist as a top top five team in the area. I have them ahead of Fort Myers at this point. I have them ahead of Gulf Coast, South, etc. This team has a lot coming back, um, and it starts with the run game. Obviously, you know, they're going to try and balance out balance it out a little more um, with Jaden Booker after throwing, I believe, sixty two percent of their uh, total offense came through the air last year. Um, you know, they're going to try and balance that out a bit with Booker, um, kind of take the pressure off uh, Ethan Crossan or Ty Keller, whoever is under center for the, you know, for the Lions. With Rich Millian moving to defense, it sounds like, you know, moving to the linebacker spot, that kind of sets up Olsen, Pat Henry, and Preston Shemansky really well um, in terms of, you know, being successful and kind of just having a more unpredictable offense, you know. Um, you have a one-two punch in the backfield or you know you have a guy who can pretty much win virtually every one-on-one ball um, in class 1s and of course we can't leave out our schools in the sunshine state athletic conference that is canterbury gateway charter and oasis the most interesting team to me here is gateway charter they have the dynamic running back lazaro rogers coming back and they have a, a new field they're gonna have a home field to defend I'll have a story coming out this week on that. In terms of uh, some of our other content that we've been churning out over the summer, of course, the staple of the Big 15 uh, turned out amazing. Thank you to Andrea Melendez, our uh, fantastic photographer who's also producing this podcast right now uh, for uh, incredible photos. And thanks to Naples Luxury Imports for uh, letting letting uh, our, our guys play around a little bit for an afternoon. That was fun. Uh, Alex, in in assembling that list this year, uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, it felt very competitive. Yeah, first off, play, playing around in the cars is maybe a little <laughs> maybe a little nice. I, mean, uh, no, I, no, I, did, no. I, I didn't expect a kid to be standing in a Lamborghini Urus. Um, I didn't uh, – that picture of Jonas Duclona, that's who I'm referring to, came out just uh, – came out amazing. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really sweet. Um, Richard Young kind of uh, – Holding the two, I uh, believe, are they suicide doors on a, on a Rolls Royce? Um, you know, one, you know, kind of different doors. You know, really, that was a nice picture. Uh, but well, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I was just enamored uh, asked, with those uh, photos. You know, what was your impression in, in kind of putting the list together? It felt very competitive this year. Yeah, it was especially in the middle. We kind of knew who who was at the bottom of the list at 15 and 14 and 13, and we knew who was at the top of the list. Um, the middle was. The one that was really tough to decipher and kind of kind of break them up. Um, you know, if I had another crack at it, maybe would I change some things here or there? Maybe. Um, but overall, I thought the list was pretty much close to spot on. A lot of Naples kids duking it out in the middle. You know, you got Twosky Abrams at, at nine, who I think, you know, is going to be in very good position next year. Um, because there's 13 seniors on this year's list. Um, I believe, you know, the top three were self-explanatory. Um, Richard Young, uh, Olsen, Pat Henry, and Isaiah Gustav, who has all of a sudden shot up to, to the number five running back in the 2023 class per 247. 
Um, you know, that's a pretty big deal for him, given he's not even the number one running back uh, in the Naples system. Uh, Kendrick Raphael is. But in terms of the higher ceiling, you know, Augustave has or Augustav has the frame to succeed at Arkansas, succeed in the SEC. Um, you know, he's got the build uh, to be an SEC type running back, I think. And I did a story last week on some of our homegrown talents who uh, aren't local anymore in uh, Jordan Church, yeah. Winston Watkins, Miles Graham. And it's crazy to think about what this list would have looked like if they what, were still here. What it could have been. And, and I was texting, uh, I was going back and forth with my boss, Ed Reed. I was like, you know, if we had, if we were able to incorporate these kids, like where would we put them? Just kind of playing around, you know, texting around, you know, all these conceptual ideas. And. I think you know you might agree. You might agree. You might not. I, th- I would have put Miles Graham at number two this year on the Big Fifteen if I had to say. Um, I would have, I would have had him ahead of Olson Pat Henry. Um, you know the kids ranked inside the top fifty in his class. And the only other person to say that locally would be Richard Young, um, who is ranked inside the top fifty in his class. Winston Watkins obviously committed to Texas A and M. I don't know if that'll stick. Committing as a freshman, that's that's a pretty big pretty big commitment to make when you're 14 years old he would have been up there i think maybe top 10 fringe top 10 at this point just given who's ahead of him and the fact that he's a sophomore this year um, and then jordan church another one who's committed to louisville i believe he was number nine last year on the big 15 so he's already a top 10 talent probably would have slotted him in uh, somewhere around the top five or hovering around that uh, but i think graham among the three would have been the highest some of our other content that uh, has come out, our underrated list, which uh, Alex wrote and, and came out on Monday. Some of the stuff that, that is going to come out are seniors who uh, are needing to have a big season and are underclassmen to watch. So a lot of good stuff on the horizon, including uh, our preview capsules for our preseason games. And you know we're really excited to get back on the sidelines and uh, give you guys uh, all the updates on the action. Uh, We're going to go through some of those games after this break. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! All right, and we are back where we're going to name each game this week. We're going to maybe break a couple down. We're going to talk about the games that we're excited for. So it's going to start on Thursday night this week. Um, you know, already didn't expect to have uh, some Thursday night games. So SFCA will be going to St. Stevens. Halifax Academy out of Daytona Beach will be playing Oasis at Bishop Vero. This is not going to be out in the Cape. This game will be on turf at Viking Stadium. Baron Collier will be going to Charlotte. Bishop Vero will be going down to Laley on Friday night. Eastley is headed to Benita. Canterbury will take on Newman. Cape Coral will be going to DeSoto. Lee County will be take or Lehigh rather will be taking on Cypress Lake. Astero will be going to North in part of a uh, I believe that's the final year of a two-year contract. Lake Placid will be traveling to ECS. Fort Myers at Baker. Mariner at Gateway. Monarch at Golden Gate, Naples at Gulf Coast, Glades Day at Immokalee, Island Coast at Riverdale, Gateway Charter, and Clewiston will be going to LaBelle in a Jamboree format. Sebring will be going to Palmetto Ridge. Lemon Bay will be at South Fort Myers. Dunbar will be at Port Charlotte. And Marco Island will be traveling to University School in Lauderdale. 
Um, guys, I mean, there's a 21 games this week. Uh, that's probably the most we're going to have all year. Um, what's a game or two that you're kind of really looking forward to in terms of maybe getting some answers uh, from one of some of these teams? Astero at North Fort Myers is one that really intrigues me just because uh, I'm just interested uh, to see how the rest of the season plays out with those two teams, given uh, what happened last year. Astero obviously going on that magical run to a district title. And North Fort Myers kind of underachieving and having a 5-5 and five and five record at the end of the year. You know, as, as we mentioned earlier on the pod, uh, Estero, you know, took a, a little bit to get going last year. Is that going to be the case this year? Is North going to come out firing and you know trying to show who they are again? So that I'm really looking forward to, to covering that one. Uh, I would say Fort Myers at Ida Baker. Uh, I think this is going to be a game that's going to tell us a lot about both of these teams. Uh, I know last year Fort Myers really struggled to run the football. They had more passing yards than rushing yards, which someone told me was for the first time that that happened since like 1971. Um, That's not the way that they want to play. And they're going to go up against a Baker team that, you know, they kind of want to do the same thing. They want to run the football. They want to run to set up the pass. And Chuck Fawcett was really talking up his defensive front. Uh, so I think that that'll be a good challenge for Fort Myers that they can run the ball against Baker in this in this game. I think that kind of bodes well for them going into the season. But if they can't, that might tell us that, you know, Baker's ready to be more than maybe a dark horse in that district. Maybe boring to say the same answer, but that's the game I also had my eye on. I'm very interested to see what Fort Myers can bring to the table this year. Going back out to Baker, where ironically, that's where Sam Sirianni scored win number 150 last year. Um, he got doused with a Gatorade shower. I <laughs> I imagine that won't be happening in the preseason if they win this game, but I'm curious to see what Chris McFoley can bring to this offense. Um, you know, new quarterbacks always have questions. It can be it can be McFoley, it can be Bryce DeRossett at uh, North Fort Myers. It could be Tanner Helton at ECS. doesn't matter who it is. You know, every quarterback, uh, new starting quarterback this year, they're going to have their question marks. Um, I want to see how he does against uh, the Bulldogs. Um, and again, as Dan kind of alluded to, you know, this is a seems to be a relatively seasoned offensive line that has had uh, some varsity experience under their belts. Um, can they get the run game going with Ricardo Noel um, in the backfield you know that's one thing I'm kind of going to be keeping an eye on and uh the same thing you know on the other side to see if uh Jordan Rizzo and um you know can Jordan Rizzo break through against that uh that Fort Myers secondary you know he's a pretty speedy um you know Caden Stengel's back uh under center for the Bulldogs and you know they're gonna have to replace a uh a thousand yard rusher in Caleb Staple you know that's uh Chalk Fawcett's second thousand yard rusher in the past two seasons the first two uh in program history as well um so I think that'll be a game worth watching Naples and Gulf Coast is another one um you know I'm kind of keeping an eye on I think this is Naples's biggest uh test against an in-county opponent uh and it's only fitting that it comes in the preseason Connor Barrett will get a nice little test against a uh, secondary that you know you got two guys that are committed to power five back there and and carry brown going to minnesota and jonas Tacona going to cincinnati which will eventually be in the big 12 next year so i'm kind of curious to see how that game turns out and to see if uh, gulf coast can uh you know break that naples secondary a little bit so next uh we got some questions uh you know we had some very loyal listeners send in some questions for you guys first up who's going to be the first lee county team to win a state title 
very interesting question because who knows how long this Metro Suburban format lasts. I mean, you can kind of make the case that it's now or never in terms of the next two years, um, just based on recent history. But Dustin, I mean, what team are you kind of looking at right now to win the first state title for Lee County? So I'm a writer, so I like narratives. And I, I think the maybe one of the, the coolest narratives would be Fort Myers. Just after having so many close calls, so many amazing historic teams, um, and obviously with the, the history that the Greenies have, I, I think Fort Myers, you know, whether they have it right now is obviously a question, but uh, I, I think that that would just be, uh, you know, the the cherry on top of uh, everything for, for Sam Seriani. I'm worried Dan's going to take my answer, but I, I'm curious to hear uh, what, what you have to say. That's a tough question. Listen, man, I've been here, this is my 23rd year at the news press. Seventeenth uh, covering sports. I've never seen a Lee County team even play for a state championship, let alone win one. And since I started, there's about been about a half dozen more schools that are playing football in the county. So, you know, you have such a dilution of talent among the public schools with kids. You know, kind of. You know, every once in a while there was, you know, North was it was a strong program. Then South was a strong program. Now you have Lehigh, which seems to be the place that, you know, kids want to go and, and are attracting kids from all over the county. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to pick this school. I don't know if it's going to happen in the next two years, but I, I think they're a school that's a little bit outside of, of that. Um, and I think they, they're set up maybe for long-term success with their coach. And I'm going to say Bishop Vero. Uh, I think if you look at Richie Road, I mean, he took Cypress Lake to the playoffs. So you take Cypress Lake to the playoffs, that's a heck of a coaching job. I, I think there's stability there at Vero. They definitely have the facilities. They're able to attract talent. I think he could possibly be there for an extended period of time. Um, so I'm going to pick Vero. I don't know when it's going to be, but if you – you know, if you're making me pick one of these schools in Lee County, that that's the one that I'd go with today. Right on. That was that was where I was going to go with my answer. I think Vero, I think they've got the best shot among the Lee, uh, among the Lee County schools. Obviously, if you're in 3S, you have to go through Naples, which teams in Lee County have often struggled to uh, struggled to beat. And then in 4S, you know, Lehigh's going to have to go through Venice, the defending 8A state champion. Um, you know, Vero. Uh, with Carter Smith in year two, he threw for 2,025 yards last year, um, a Southwest Florida Offensive Football Player of the Year finalist. I think you know this year and next will be really worth checking out to see his growth. Um, I can only imagine if he's throwing for 2,000 yards as a freshman, uh, what he can do in year four. And supposedly he's it's listed at six foot five now as a sophomore. You know this kid's not just a football player. He's I mean he's primarily known for his uh, for how good he is on the baseball field. You know especially on the travel circuit, but uh, seems to be maybe molding into one of those two way guys we can see in college. And you know if Vero wins a state title, it'll it'll likely be because of him. Question number two. Who are under the radar players in the area without any offers? This is uh, this is one of those that, that kind of interesting because the, I mean I feel like Southwest Florida has changed in terms of those under the radar guys are quote unquote you know they're no longer under the radar you know they're they're being found they're getting offered by colleges. I feel like you couldn't say that five or ten years ago, but now you can. Who's a player that you think can? Uh, really make a splash this year the one guy that you know you have to mention is our our defensive player of the year Tyree Cunningham um he led the area in tackles just an electrifying player that you know 
wasn't on our radar to start last season. Um, not, and, not a bit. And he, he had an incredible year, even in the spring game. Like one of the first couple plays, he forced a fumble, and he was just all over the place having a great, great season. I like what he's got. Maybe, you know, the the recruiting hasn't been there because of the size, but, you know, the the drive is there. The 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 football IQ is there. Um, you know, whenever he's on the field, I, I love what I see from him. Um, I, I would just agree with you that it's really tough to be, uh, you know, sort of a, a player that's a Division One worthy player at this point that's not on, on the radar. I, I think recruiting services, they're so widespread now. A lot of these kids are, are really savvy about getting their stuff out there a lot more than, you know, going back 10 years ago. And there's a lot more Division One programs also than there were 10 years ago. So it's a little bit easier to be a Division One player. I, I, I just think uh, it's really hard to be underlooked uh, at these points unless you have, you know, some extenuating circumstances, academic issues, you know, you've been transferring a lot, so there might be some red flags on you about that. Uh, but I think for the most part, the recruiting services are getting it right more often than not and, and, and are a lot more consistent, let's say, than they were, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I was, I was going to go with a Lehigh player, but I'm going to go with the Gulf Coast player. Joseph Miller is just I mean, he's just he's like the definition of a slot receiver, you know, in a, in an ideal college offense. Even though he's playing out wide now, um, you know, he's one who surprisingly, I don't tell me how how he hasn't gotten any offers. I think perhaps it's just because he's undersized. But we've seen undersized players succeed uh, in college in the NFL. You know, Wes Welker really comes to mind. Steve Smith Sr. Um, you know, mo- more recently at the college level, perhaps Hunter Renfro, Britton Covey at Utah. You know, those are the guys that really stand out. And I think, you know, Joe Miller is one who, you know, if he has a big senior year and we're talking another 800-plus yard season um, from him and that, that Sharks offense, I think, I think that the offers could come. But he's one at this point where I think, you know, he's definition of under the radar. And then our final question before we sign off, what team makes the biggest turnaround? Not sure what your guys' definition of a turnaround would be if it's a 5-5 five and five Fort Myers team, maybe winning eight or nine games this year. Thoughts on uh, the teams that have potential to make a big turnaround? Well, there's a, a Collier County team that comes to mind for me, but I'm going to leave that to, to you guys to discuss. I'm, I'm going to pick a Lee County team. Bonita Springs, they're going to have it tough in their district, but – they lost a lot, a lot, a lot of close games last year. That, that's something you look at and think, you know, maybe if you know the ball bounces the other way, they could have had a winning season. I just think their style of play with the way they pound the ball, with Josiah Sessler coming back at running back, I mean, that team is a pain in the you-know-what in the fourth quarter with the, with the way they play. So I think that's a team that could be on the radar this year. Um, I'd probably take one of those five and five teams from last year, North Fort Myers. I think they just have way too much talent to have uh, another disappointing season. I don't know if they can go undefeated in the regular season like they did a couple of years ago, but I, I think they'll be much improved. I think that's going to show up uh, in the win column, and, and I think they have a chance to make a nice run. I'm not sure if it'd be considered a turnaround given that one and nine is officially the floor for this team, but Gateway, I think, has a chance to really make some strides in year two under Colin O'Brien specifically because of just the energy that we saw in that program you know with the kids that they brought to media day earlier this month you know they were a very seasoned group very mature well-spoken you know they seem to be finally getting acclimated and getting adjusted to the process of 
you know, what it's like to, I mean, essentially these are the kids running the varsity program, you know, at a younger age. They're kind of building maturity skills. And I think that has a chance to apply on the football field. Another team that I kind of have my eye on a little bit, just because they went four and six last year, is Gulf Coast. I think that's one of the obvious, one of the obvious teams that's primed to have a winning season. On paper, I have them winning seven or eight games, you know, and then another team is obviously Golden Gate. I think that they can get their first winning season under Nick Bajika and um, position themselves uh, moving forward as a another I guess not an alternative to Naples but a team that can definitely maybe get some kids uh, to go to their school rather than the Golden Eagles but that's going to do it you know this is probably gonna be our lengthiest pod of the year Um, you know we love breaking down uh, you know the districts the teams the players analysis Um, you know we're gonna have a lot of content coming up this week and next I'm gonna have a 15 seniors to watch for this year who are primed to have a big year that'll be dropping friday dustin will have a underclassman list dropping on friday as well so maybe some of the the younger talent maybe uh maybe might see some on the big 15 in the years to come um you know obviously we're gonna have preseason rankings that'll drop on tuesday of next week um should be uh, interesting while we kind of debate and go over um who should be where um, and then Athlete of the Week will be back uh, this at some point this month. We're going to have previews spanning all across the week next week. And then, of course, our preview capsules for the preseason and week one will be next week. Of course, we have the best photographers in the business down here. Andrea Melendez, Amanda Inscore, Andrew West, Landon Boast, Rick Rolone. Um, they do an awesome job for us. You know, their visuals are going to be, um, you know, a bit kids are going to like them you know be sure to go to news-press.com slash sports naplesnews.com slash sports for all your high school football content here in southwest florida um, one last uh, plug for each of us um, if you want to follow us on twitter i am np underscore alex martin dustin levy is at dustin b levy and dan deluca is at news press dan that'll do it for season five episode one of the inside southwest florida football podcast we will see you next week thanks for listening remember the inside southwest florida football podcast will be available for download every wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games